0: This podcast is brought to you by A Hotel Life, an award-winning travel website and community founded by Ben Pundle. This episode features Julia Chaplin, journalist, author and adventurer. If you've just joined us, welcome to uh, Hotel Life Live discussions and interviews with notable people in travel, hospitality, as a way of trying to keep some of the travel and hospitality industry connected, informed, and hopefully a little bit entertained. Uh, And today we are speaking with author, journalist, uh, adventurer, (laughs) Julia Kaplan. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Lovely to see you. So fun to be here. Um, yeah, this is my first uh, go of Instagram Live, so ner- I'm so nervous. <laughs> well, you know, I've got to be honest, Julia, and I know everyone's watching this, I didn't really know what to do, but I needed to do something to keep myself busy. And I, and I felt like I had to be of service. Uh, and I love people, and I love connecting people. And I just thought, well, you know, the one thing I can do is, is chat to people, and hopefully, you know, the travel and hospitality industry has, has, has really taken a nosedive. And yeah. to try and uh, keep a few people you know informed, connected, and entertained, I thought would be would be a fun thing to do and, I'm so uh, happy you're doing
1: it it's I've, found, I've been finding it really entertaining and so much fun all the stories and Different people that I've watched, so thank you for doing I, it. Thank, thank
0: you. <laughs> I have learned so much uh, from you know the majority of people I I, I know not none I've know, none I don't think I've known as long as you. Um, <laughs> but I, I know I know everybody, so I can kind of get a sense of, of of how they are. But you know we're living in some some very dark, strange times, and uh, I think a little a little connection and, and levity go a long way during times like this. So. Uh.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been thinking about that. It's just kind of like one of, I mean, there've been so many nutty things about this time, but I would say one of my favorite things about this time period is that it kind of reminds me of a kind of post-collegiate world where, you know, people collaborated and experimented and just kind of chatted really and talked and developed ideas and with absolutely no goal. I mean, the the... The point is just for connection, experimentation, and, and little else, which is a very much like, you know, kind of when when you're in your early 20s and you have all the time in the world and you're just kind of like experimenting and, and coming up with ideas just for the sake of those two right. things. And I really, I, I try to kind of exist in that place all the time, but sometimes I can't and sometimes I'm the only one there. So, in some ways, um, I think my favorite, if I had to... up with my favorite thing about this time it would be this kind of just just sort of um pure sense of connection and collaboration that's happening right now just just for the sake of of um for no sake at all really just for doing it
0: you're kind of one of my heroes because you do live your life like that on a on a daily basis um whereas everybody else is is grinding (laughs) i wouldn't go that far but Um, so I, if, if, you've just, if you've just joined us, thank you so much for joining. Julia Chaplin, author, journalist, adventurer. Um, I know, I've known Julia for about, my goodness, for about 20 years. Uh, I know Julia uh, as a journalist from, from way back in the early 2000s. Um, when we were young and beautiful, but we are still beautiful, Julia. We are still beautiful. <laughs> still beautiful. <laughs> uh, exactly. So I, I know you used to write for, for, for the New York Times and Elle and Condé Nast Traveler and Travel and Leisure. Um, travel has always been travel, lifestyle and travel culture has kind of always been been, been a focus. Um, and uh, And then you kind of shared your vision of... Other lifestyles with the rest of the world, which which uh, we're grateful for, um, and I can't wait to dig into it in a minute. Uh, but for <laughs> how are you doing? Where are you? How are you? Uh, how are you quarantining?
1: Um, I'm okay. I'm doing. I'm doing. You know, I'm healthy. Um, I'm out in Long Island in the Springs, which is um, kind of the bay side of East Hampton, and it's it's beautiful. There are all these kind of rolling fields it's very farm little farm houses a lot of um you know you drive i go by i ride, I ride my bike all the time like my daughter and i right. were just like on our bikes the entire time and there are all these kind of like funky old artist uh houses like the jackson pollock lee krasner house is right down the road and so it's just it just has a nice vibe um you know it's it's very deep nature turkeys and uh what else deer a lot of deer <laughs> watch
0: the ticks or watch the ticks
1: and ticks yeah tons of ticks well i bought these enormous rain boots that like come up past my knees for my daughter and i we kind of you know gear up
0: (laughs) between uh, our uh, masks
1: and our rain boots like nothing's getting in
0: i was going to say so we shouldn't worry we shouldn't worry too much about you (laughs) but yeah it's a trade-off one or the other um, Julia, you obviously don't have a conventional uh, job, nor maybe a conventional life, very much. So, so how has how has this pandemic affected uh, affected you professionally?
1: I mean, I, I would say, I mean, I mean, obviously, the travel industry is taking a huge hit, and that's that. I feel that too. Um, people aren't travelling so that's that's been a big thing i i've come up with this idea and i'm sure i'm not the only one but uh mind travel so it's kind of like where you get to go if you can't physically go anywhere and and it's interesting because i went to a vipassana meditation retreat um two years ago in massachusetts to the insight meditation center it was a week of silence, and I, I guess in some ways I realized that at some point in my life I would need to have the tools to deal with isolation and just, just you know, deal with a situation where I'd basically be by myself. And and like, I'm like, okay, but I said to myself, the two of us are going to be spending a lot of time together. <laughs> Let's get to know each other. Let's figure out how to do this and, and come up with, you know, some ways of doing it. So, so um I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we have to things work professionally, but but right. that's a very interesting point because it's it's far more about mind travel
1: now. Mind travel, exactly. So so yeah, I mean the fact that people aren't physically traveling, but there is this this dimension of mind travel, and so I've been really, I've been very in that headspace and trying to come up with places I can travel in my mind, and not only for me, but but also for. Uh, My next book, I've been thinking a lot about what that might be. I also, I've been in the process of starting a travel company, but obviously no one's going anywhere. So kind of conceptualizing what that might look like and preparing for the future, but also preparing for right now and coming up with these ways um, to kind of travel around somewhere in
0: the recesses of your mind. It's interesting because I I, I was nerding out online yesterday about uh, sure that Gypset Travel has a holding page, uh, the the travel company. Oh yeah. I think think there could be some incredible travel companies come out and pandemic.
1: Yeah. So I've been. I well, it's funny because um, I've been sort of working on this concept for when I finished my last book and, and my book tour. Um, in the, I guess, around September, October. And I've been thinking about this idea for a while since then. And in many ways, I would say in terms of what I've been thinking about, the the isolation and kind of um, forced meditation that it's, that it's required from all of us has kind of accelerated, I think, by five or seven years, sort of what um the general mindset and and uh being receptive to to sort of this world that i i was imagining in my mind and and hoping to to put forth on this in this new the website for now and maybe a book at some point so um yeah
0: <laughs> very cool so, then jumping straight into julia you know you kind of coined the term gipset. can you hear me I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's just a little feedback. Um, okay. Well, we've got people here from the Philippines, from Tel Aviv. Thank you so much for joining, everybody. I, I love this. I also love the piece on the cover. Um, whoever that is, it's right there. But we'll get to that in a minute. But we, you coined <laughs> kind of the term gypsum. And uh, since to published three, three books, Living, Style, and Travel, um, last, I think last year you uh, uh, published the Boho Manifesto, which, which I love, and uh, Tulum GIF Set with, with Asseline. Um, you, you, in my opinion, have successfully memorialized a generation of, of bohemian adventurers, and you yourself are a, a self-professed, you know, born boho. Uh, you know, so, so why, you know, in memorializing this, this kind of um, generation of bohemian adventurers, why do you think, that, why do you think that's important?
1: Well, the reason, I mean, so all of my books, to some degree, possibly with the exception of the Tulum book, which was more of a, just about Tulum, they're all, it's all part of this identity search for me, really. And, but I don't, I don't mean identity search in a kind of selfish way, because I think we're all, uh, not we're all, but I think there's a group of people that are also searching along with me. I mean, I think as a, as a journalist, when I was writing a lot for the New York Times and fashion magazines, like the. The the sort of exercise and and all of that, it, or what you learn how to do anyway, is to kind of find a collective feeling, and then um, and then sort of address that to to a large group of people. So it's never these things are never about like me, Julia, doing this alone. It's I, I feel like um, it's a collective search uh, by by a group of people, a large group, not everybody. So. Um, so, but it is an identity search to a large degree. It's kind of like when I, I mean, I have hippie parents, um, grew up kind of traveling around in a VW van, then I moved to Manhattan when I was, you know, after college and started working in the New York Times and fashion magazines. Spin Magazine was actually my first job or Harper's Bazaar maybe. And, um, and I got really caught up in my 20s and just sort of the really like fast-paced, glamorous. I think that's when I met you, <laughs> you know, just kind of like every art Basel and every can fill festival, every sort of thing I could possibly do that that sort of um, quenched this this thirst I'd had for this for the glamorous life that was proposed to me as a teenager really. And then when I got to the middle of it, you know, when I'd finally gotten so far into what that meant, I was disillusioned and and bored and and, um and you know I remember being
0: sorry? Gotta be careful what you wish for.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like I got to the middle of what was what was like, you know, supposed to be supposed to be the most glamorous thing in the world. And I realized this is this is super boring. I'm unhappy here. Um, this isn't me actually. Like I, you know, and so I left I left New York and started traveling around the world and I, I started sort of doing stories from afar. But I realized like, oh, there's there's people just kind of down that way or down that way, and they're doing things in a really different way. It's more aligned with how I was brought up. It's you know, I was I really was searching. And so that's what gypset was. And it was all gypset was also reaction to the really conspicuous consumption that we were having you know right. around what before the economic crash in two thousand seven two thousand eight so it was sort of a response to that um, and the Boho manifesto is was like came about ten years later than the first book, and it was kind of it was kind of like okay now now that the world is now that we are kind of or th- it's more acceptable in terms of like having a freelance lifestyle, sort of like Burning Man and all that stuff was a lot more accepted. It was less of this out there idea. And suddenly, like I felt like I needed to catch up too and kind of experiment with all these new things that were happening. Um, so I don't know, if, am, I, am I rambling? I can go on and on yeah, about that. Yeah.
0: A, a, a little bit, but it's great. But for those, that, for those that don't know, what are the kind of three main thing that, that th- three main things that uh, define gypset or, or boho
1: for you? Oh, the three main things that just that define gypset or boho. Um, I would say the the desire to experiment is really strong, to be really open-minded. Right, right. Um, um, and to, to be sort of soulful and create and creative. That's four things. <laughs>
0: So, so go, go on, say it again, the, the willingness to experiment.
1: Experimentation, creativity, soulfulness, and and um, uh, unconventional. I'm not sure what I said the first time, but those are four things.
0: Fair enough. Okay, sounds, sounds good to me. Um, so what, what, what do you, is, is this something that your daughter understands? What do you think, what do you think she's going to think about this? Uh, Set boho lifestyle
1: 20 years' time? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I think, that, I think that this whole movement that we're talking about it, we'll just call it, uh, I guess we can call it boho for sake of argument. Um, I think it's fusing with the mainstream. There's two mainstreams though. There's the conservative mainstream, which like Trump supporters, we're not talking about them. And then there's the liberal mainstream and I think Bohemian is certainly becoming mainstream. I hope that's true. I think it is true. I mean, if you look at, if you look at um, Whole Foods or the, the proliferation of meditation and yoga, I mean, you could sort of argue that these are mainstream things now. So I, so I think that for my daughter, when she's an adult, she probably wouldn't even understand it because it's just sort of the normal thing. I'm hoping.
0: Right, right. Interesting.
1: <laughs> but it seems like it's heading in that direction.
0: Right. Well, you know, I'm I'm 45 years old, and this is kind of the first time I've noticed that there's large groups of people wanting to live an alternative lifestyle based on the three main things around around uh, um, uh, gypsy or, or, or boho. Uh, and I, I agree. I want I want to be a I want to be a part of that. I, you know, I like to think I I am. I'm still caught up in the whole New York, you know, world of it all. But uh, you know, I I I love the direction that. The, the world is taking with regards to alternative communities, and that's a word, that's a word we hear we hear a lot um, and your books really capture the identity of a global uh, community and and so what, what what is the what is the role of community within within you know your world
1: well communities it's a really interesting. Uh, word and it 's funny because when I was younger, like the idea of like community centers I was just sort of i, I avoided anything uh, labeled community it was like right, made me right. run the other direction. it just seemed to, it sounded cheesy and just like something i didn 't want but but it 's it 's changing or i 'm changing or i 'm not sure maybe i 'm changing with the world around me, but um, um for my book, I researched this guide you know blue zones i 'm not sure if you know what blue zones are it 's this this guy Jan uh, Brutner, he came up with this idea he found i think 8 to 10 communities around the world where they live the longest and 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 not only live the longest but they're healthy too and one of one of the things that he found the reason is because they they gather as a community they have that community support um, you can. It could be a church. It could be yoga. It could be Burning Man. It could be whatever it is. It's actually mm-hmm. good for you. I mean, it, it actually uh, contributes to your good health in a in a physical way. Um, so, so I think there's a need. People have this need within them to have community. And I think what's interesting about now is people are beginning to form these communities. And I've been I've been obsessed lately with um, the idea of communes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But the thing is, um, not in the sense of the 1960s, because because I've I've actually gone to some of those places and they're they're no fun. I I always get they always tell me I have a bad attitude. I don't really fit in there either because it's so dogmatic and you have to follow their rules. So it does that doesn't work for me. Um, but it's but it's sort of this this new i the new idea of community or a new idea of communing, where. Um, where the individual is allowed to express themselves and it's less dogmatic than before. And I call them personal utopias.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the I'd like, I'd like right?
1: Yeah. So so I mean, um so these contemporary communes, I call them leisure communes right now, because uh, leisure actually, if you if you look at the word, it doesn't mean just like wasting time in playing tennis, it actually means clearing, clearing space to, to experiment with new ideas. Um, so I've been really into that. And in some, and some of these places exist, but I think we're, they're starting to form right now. And I think in the way that Gypset sort of was an idea that came into reality, I think this, this idea, we're going to, it's going to actually exist really soon. <laughs> I'm hoping.
0: Well, I think probably a post-corona world, uh, due to the pandemic, will, will force some people, some people will choose to live in a more collaborative community, and others will be forced to, because they're going to have to grow their own food. They're going to have to, you know, nurture their own communities and relationships within, within the community. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next you know, a few months and, and maybe a few years because I don't think it's I don't think it's going to go away. I think if anything, it's only going to amplify the the idea of a community.
1: Yeah, I mean, even before this happened, uh, <coughs> you know, there are all these stories about Portugal and all these people moving to Portugal and starting these kind of these sort of communes. I mean, but they're not communes in the sense of like you know this 1960s where where it's some cultish scene. Who knows? They haven't even been built yet, so it could always who knows what direction they'll head in, but, but it was already starting. There's already people out there doing this and you have pockets even in cities, Mexico City or um, um, I guess Berlin to some degree, which is a, an older settlement, but it's already starting. It was already starting.
0: Well, I look forward to uh, discovering some. <laughs> with you. Um, we are living in some pretty unprecedented times. As you know, the travel and hospitality industries are, are, are on pause. Uh, you know, unemployment is, is, is through the roof. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty ter- terrible time. Do you think, uh, do you think that we're going to go back to normal, a new normal? Do you think this is a paradigm shift? Uh, what, what, what's your opinion on that?
1: I think you know, I think um I think there will be on the in the short term a new normal. I think things are gonna be pretty messy for a year or two, um, in terms of how people are going to have you know wearing masks and this sort of isolation and social distancing. i don't I'm not sure there's much, you know there's no way around it, I guess, unless you are on a commune somewhere. Um, but i think I think when things die down a bit, you know, when there's a vaccine, when enough time has elapsed, I think actually, there may be a lovely renaissance of, of, you know, of people sort of, of changing the way they interact with other people. They're going to be so happy to be able to interact with other people that we might find this beautiful kind of empathy and, and kindness and, and, and just kind of an embrace of, of other people that we haven't, we haven't seen on a scale before. I think, I think that could easily happen as a kind of, you know group of people i mean it's fairly traumatic being in these in these situations and so when we collectively get out of it i think i think we will see see a kind of a beautiful renaissance of humanity
0: i think there'll be a lot more a lot more thought that goes into everything whether it's uh, service or uh, you know b- b- uh, product or, or travel or I just think we're going to enter a time where people are, are thinking so much more about the people they go and see, the conversations they have, the places they travel to. Uh, and I think that could, uh, that, could, that could be a good thing. But we were not paying attention. Might yeah, be, I, think,
1: I think it will be once we, you know, once we get there.
0: <laughs> okay, I want to talk for a minute about uh, boho manifesto look at that me plugging your book for you uh, and <laughs> thank those, you <laughs> for, those 60, for those 60 people watching this conversation if you don't have boho manifesto <laughs> i highly recommend it it's a brilliant and very uh, amusing entertaining and informative read but boho manifesto julia it addresses uh, the idea obviously of uh, of things that you expect like meditation yoga dancing uh, tantra Altars and shamans. But I want to ask you about a couple of things. One of which is the snag. Tell us about (laughs) the snag. The sensitive new age guy. I'm gonna just uh I'm Uh, gonna bring up a picture of the snag because you know this really did entertain that's the snag, if you can see that.
1: Yeah, well Well, the snag, the sensitive new age guy. I mean it's sort of the the you know, the archetype of, of that, of this kind of neo-boho guy who, who is just sort of, um what is it, one of the lines I had about, um uh, picks ass before he picks a flower or something. I can't remember all the. There are so many of these drawings. Ask, ask, ask. Ask permissions
0: of flowers but uh, before picking them to wear in, in his hair. Uh, yeah. Can be found on clothing-optional barbecues in Ojai. <laughs> um, you, used, you used Kickstarter to fund a meditation, a meditation app called Feeling Me. Uh, yeah. uh, it looks, obviously, wears a low of embroidered vest, Hold up <laughs> for a long time. Now, I actually know people like this, and, and, and uh, you know, I love them. Done. I, I, um, I think I um, think I met um, this guy
1: in Topanga Canyon at at, at a Kundalini class.
0: Oh, this this guy. Um, yeah. This
1: you well, they're all like they're all archetypes. I mean, the so the book has a lot of. I think it has something like fifty drawings of fifty different archetypes. And originally, uh, the book was sort of based off the preppy handbook. I don't know if you ever if you ever saw the preppy handbook. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It's sort of a, It's not even in print anymore. It came out in the eighties, and it basically was just this very insider, really funny look at the preppy world. And I thought, I thought in terms of uh, movement, that Bohemian was the next big thing since, since Preppy in a way, and in many ways like a maturation of that. So, it, so um, the the drawings are meant to be funny, obviously, but they're they're also meant to be somewhat loving. I mean, I, um, you know, they're not meant to really, really take down. It's more just kind of anthropological. No, really, it's not, it
0: doesn't. It's right. <laughs> Um, It it was hard
1: to, it was really hard to find that balance though, not to, it's very easy to just kind of be mean and take things down, but it's much harder to be funny um, and kind of build something up or just kind of, kind of be loving about it. It's a, it's a much harder humor and I'm not a humor writer, but I realize I kind of figured that out when I was working on the project, but I, I also, I mean, the book has a lot of humor in it. So I like the self-help socialite, that's one of my favorite drawings and the boho business meeting. Really the does have a
0: lot um, of view, I want to talk about something serious for a second and this is not oh. something you're prepared for <clears throat> <laughs> since the FDA lifted regulations on the testing of psychedelics
1: uh uh-huh.
0: um you you mentioned in in the Boho Manifesto that microdosing as a business learning tool is something that uh, is becoming uh, much more widely accepted. Sorry, I've got I don't know why I'm doing Sorry. that. I've got hear, but uh, very bad feedback. So I don't know whether you can hear me properly. Uh, I can. Yeah. Oh, you can. Okay. So so microdosing yeah. as a business. Microdosing as a business tool. Do you think this is something that is. Uh, that is going to be accessible to a a broader audience? Do you think it's something that we should all be aware of? Or what's your stance on that?
1: Um, Microdosing, well, whether it's going to be available, I, I mean, I have no idea. It's so hard to tell. I mean, certainly not while Trump is president, it's not going to be available but um but they are starting to do testing um with psilocybin i don't i don't know what's being allowed in the united states but in europe it's it's very common i think in in england they're doing a lot of work um in, over there in other countries i don't know about here but but there are actually um um there's a lot of therapy getting started i know some my, my friend's father who's like in his 70s who's a very you know he's not conservative but he he's a professor at UC Berkeley and he's taking um a training class so that with psychedelics to learn how to do therapy with psychedelics which is which is a, gr- a very growing field right now it's still underground and you have to know people you have to know you know who to go to it's all underground but uh this is an emerging field that's that's become um that's becoming increasingly Popular and I see it having a future and just using psychedelics. I mean, Michael Pollan wrote about all this stuff in his in his latest book, and there's um, there's a documentary about it coming out on Netflix. I mean, it's becoming more of an accepted idea. Um, personally, I I'm a proponent of of microdosing and things that can that can give you perspective and open your mind in a productive way versus versus just sort of like getting really drunk or you know which isn't yeah (laughs) so it's not i think i think it's useful and it's also in such small quantities so so it isn't it isn't sort of you know getting really out of your head i mean the idea is to just sort of um use what's there and kind of find other pathways and other ways of looking at things and that's why that's why that's in the book as a, a advantage in the
0: workplace this kind of thing Definitely an encounter in the workplace, but also I'm a huge advocate of psychedelics to be used in therapy as a form of antidepressant or to treat P- PTSD. <clears throat> and uh, I, work, I work with a therapist in, in New York who for 20 years has um, been a New York psychotherapist, uh, and, um, uh, and and now he's dedicated his life to plant and toad medicine, and <clears throat> and he regrets the 20 years that he was writing prescriptions for depression um, mm. that, that just kind of fueled the the, the pharmaceutical industry. So I, I think yeah. there is a there is a huge future for for psych, psychedelics as um, as medicine uh, in a very Well, it's it's a shame because I'm sure, given the pandemic, that we could probably use it. Now, we as the as the greater
1: oh, for sure, yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, uh, shifting gears for a second. There's been so much digital uh, online innovation that surfaced during uh, during the pandemic. Uh, Has anything impressed or surprised you? Do you think Do you think there's anything uh, that's here to stay? In in terms of how we're interacting digitally, you mean? Yeah. yeah you said this, this is the first time you've done a you've done an Instagram live. But there's some amazing yeah. Instagram live. Well, you know, I mean it's a little bit
1: like how we started the conversation. When a really positive thing I think about all of Instagram live, Zoom, House Party, you know, all of the different modalities. It's it's just it's just a way of connecting with people. And um <clears throat> for the sake of connecting and just having conversations and just seeing where that leads. And I really think as, you know, for creativity, like this is where ideas come from. I think it's so important to have these conversations and um, and it's, and this is a great tool to have them. Um, it's nice to meet in person too, but but if you, you can't always do that. So I think that's a really positive thing that's come out of technology. Um, and I've come up with so many great ideas, having conversations, but something I try to do Every day is call somebody that I don't normally talk to, nice. and have and just have nice. a have a kind of random meandering conversation and see where it leads. And I, I think there's so many. It, it's such a. It's just something that we'd really lost. And, and when things were so fast before, it was like people only only if they could make money, or it was like part of their brand, or something like nice, that. And nice. And it wasn't just for the sake, for the for the pure sake of coming up with ideas, and, and so I'm really, I'm really enjoying that aspect of this, and and technology really aids in that too. You know, I think there's have got this
0: forced technology technology awakening? Even my mum's FaceTime you know, is so simple, but simple, <laughs> but amazing. <laughs> amazing. Uh, and I've been getting involved in amazing stuff. I do uh, dance parties to support uh, friends who have clubs or, or you know talent shows or you know all sorts of things that I never thought I'd, I'd be doing before, digitally. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, totally really fun. Fun. it's obviously really tough to be productive um, uh, in, in the best of times, uh, let alone when you global crisis. Do you think this is a time for creativity or do you think this is a time to kind of reflect on
1: that? I mean, I've I've been both. Um, I mean, it just, it sort of depends on my mood. I will, will, sometimes I'll just kind of get caught up in the situation and I find, you know, I spend a lot of time bike riding or just kind of basically riding my bike. (laughs) Um, We were kayaking yesterday, actually. It's kind of nutty in the wind um, um but but i do think i do think it's a really it's sometimes everything can seem overwhelming what's happening around us um, with the pandemic but if you can kind of put that away sometimes or take a few days off from news which i which i try to do periodically and and just sort of you know everyone talks about this this Clean slate. I mean, it really is a time where we can where we can rewrite the rules, where we get to decide where we can steer our own lives um, in a direction that we want to. So, mm-hmm. and, and to strategize, to make plans, to talk with others, and and figure out how to do that and what you want to do and what direction. And it's this really kind of special moment in that sense, uh, much like a meditation retreat where you can connect with yourself and and have this have this quiet and this time to do so, which is which is in many ways a gift. Um, that part of it is. But it can be, sometimes can be hard to see to see that gift when you're sort of caught up in the, the reality of what's happening outside.
0: Well, everybody is different and every day is different. And I think there's these various stages of quarantine as well where some days I don't, I don't want to get out of bed. And other days I've got a million ideas that I... I'd, just you know, fire, firing off, and fire, I think it's t- to exercise the idea of acceptance because not everybody is 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 handling things the same. So, um, same, so. All the time. right, totally. So I, I do totally. agree. Totally, uh, Juliet. Very. You know, a little <laughs> fun. Do a little quick fire round now. I'm going to ask you some some questions, and we want to see what your 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 first answers to these to these are. Um, so very simply, what's your favourite cocktail?
1: Um I have been really liking uh, champagne. I love champagne, organic champagne. <laughs> good
0: job. Good job. <laughs> um, uh, uh, good, piece of advice you'd you give your twenty one year old self.
1: Um, um, just to just to sort of uh, have confidence to believe in your ideas and plow forward.
0: Good one. Good one. Uh, first place <laughs> you'll do when the restrictions are lifted.
1: I would like to go on a surf trip to Mexico. That would be amazing.
0: <laughs> Can, we come? Can we come? We're coming. Okay. Uh, would you, if you had, do you have a favorite hotel in the world? Um,
1: gosh, that's so hard. I love the Hotel Raya on Panarea. Ah. In Italy, it's um, Panarea. It's this little I'll island in the Aeolian Islands right off of Sicily. And there's this hotel called the Hotel Raya that's this woman, Miriam, and her husband built it for their friends. It was their house, but in, in the 50s and 60s, uh, more friends started coming, so they expanded it, and then it, it slowly became a hotel. But it's sort of built into these rocks on a cliff. And Miriam's she's older now, but she's really into all these healing things, and so she's got these saltwater pools and biodynamic food. And she refuses to make the hotel um, a five-star hotel. So she know, like in Italy, it's very strict. They give you the certain number of stars depending on various amenities that you have. And she refuses to put air conditioning in the rooms. There's no television. There's so so she's just kind of against um, maximizing her profits, and she's like staying true to her her bohemian roots. And I, I love I love hotels like that where, you know, they're kind of like going their their way and they're not succumbing to these pressures to get some oligarch in there to pay a ton of money and they're just going to keep it for their friends and for people that appreciate what they appreciate.
0: I love it, and I know this isn't, <laughs> this isn't me being interviewed, but I'm going to tell you my, my two favourite hotels now because they're very similar in feeling, and one of okay. which is in Arles in the south of France, and it's France. a hotel called Hotel Nord Pinus, and it used to be owned by a clown and a cabaret dancer in the 50s, <laughs> uh, and it's just, and it sits at the top of the top of a square. And it is just filled with magic. I think it's like 32 rooms, or maybe 36 rooms, or something. But it is—it's very similar. No, air, no air conditioning, no TVs. It's where Picasso and the famous uh, Matador Domingue used to hang out in the 50s and 60s. Uh, nice. And I kind of went on a pilgrimage there once when I when I went to a wedding because I was just fascinated by this hotel. And it just has this incredible feeling of of of, of magic and of and it just doesn't sit on the on the grid of of regular hospitality, which mm-hmm. which I. Love. Uh, and the other one, of course, is the Petite Hermitage in L.A., which which is absolutely bonkers, and you never know what to expect on the rooftop there uh, while the hummingbirds are flying around. That's that's another of my favorites, and I think Stefan...
1: Yeah, the Petite, Petite Hermitage, They in the beginning of the quarantine, they posted this amazing... I was so tempted um, but, to do this, but then I guess they decided not to do it in the end. But it was such a beautiful idea. They were going to have a group quarantine at the hotel, and you could you could go there and like rent one of the rooms for a month or something and just like hang out at the pool in your uh, bathrobe and just like with with other people staying there but i guess they couldn't do that in the end but it's se- it seemed like
0: if i was going to a away to quarantine that's exactly what i would do they've got some amazing they've got some amazing stuff happening and you never know what's going to yeah. happen at that uh, at that hotel wait hi matthew cooper thank you for joining us the general manager of the shanghai edition just joined so we have to give him a little bit of a shout out sorry hello Nihao. Yeah. Nihao. Um, Ni how exactly. So, uh, I once checked into the Petit Hermitage Hotel and my uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. welcome amenity was uh, some... De- marijuana is legal in, um, in California. It was a, was a, uh, a, right. a, a whole selection of uh, dosist um, uh, pens and a life-size, nice. pretty much a four, four-foot te- teddy bear with a gimp ball and a Negroni. Uh, and that was my welcome amenity, and that <laughs> by far the best welcome amenity I've ever received. So, we love petite massage. I don't. Yeah. I don't think we'll be doing. I don't think we'll be doing that at uh, at any Marriott property anytime soon. Mm, well. <laughs> um, where were we? Okay. Is there any any quarantine skills that you've that you've discovered <clears throat> other than bike riding? Um,
1: I'm trying to think if there's anything interesting, like other than the normal stuff, like cooking. <laughs>
0: um,
1: what if I, um, if any quarantine skills, <clears throat> I don't think, I'm just trying to think uh, if there's anything in particular that, that, uh, I don't know. I take a lot of back.
0: It doesn't really matter because you wrote this. You have way more <laughs> skills than most of us. So, um, but, you know, on, on that note, I've just got to say a huge thank you for joining us today. Uh, and, but just before you go, I just want to say to everybody uh, Friday night, seven o'clock, let's show our gratitude and appreciation for the healthcare workers, the essential workers. Get on your rooftops, get out, out of your windows, show your appreciation, clap because we care at 7 p.m. tonight, uh, very, very important. Um, and I do love New York, and I know we're at the epicenter here. <laughs> Julia Chaplin, uh, thank you so much for, 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 for joining me today. Um, fascinating, and I uh, can't wait to see you somewhere, hopefully surfing in Mexico. This podcast is brought to you by A Hotel Life, an award-winning travel website and community founded by Ben Pando. This episode features Julia Chaplin, journalist, author, and adventurer.